live A-C-U. from the ACU of Texas Studios. This is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. Welcome to Meet in the Middle Chronicles. I'm Sam Collins. And I'm Norman Papoose. We met in an office and discovered that despite each of us consistently voting for different political parties, we shared a common goal of leaving our kids a better world. When we started talking to each other, we found that we could meet in the middle on many issues that face our nation. That got us wondering, why can't our elected representatives agree? Find the middle on issues. I don't give up my values when I compromise, and neither does Sam. But we know that compromise serves our kids better than what we see in the current political atmosphere. We had a successful radio show, then the Chinese bought the station. But we got with the times, and now we have a podcast. So sit back and listen. Today, we cover a Florida's court decision to allow some felons to register to vote, the Las Vegas Democratic debate, Trump's pardons, and why hair salons in the United Kingdom are banning showbiz magazines. Let's get to it, Norm. Issue number one. Staying at the Capitol, citizens rallying this week in support of Amendment 4, allowing as many as 1.6 million felons to regain their right to vote in the state. Today, a federal appeals court ruled that Florida cannot bar 17 felons who have served their time from registering to vote because of unpaid fines or fees. A three-judge panel of the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals upheld a Tallahassee federal judge's decision that the law implementing Amendment 4 amounted to an unfair poll tax. Now, in 2018, Amendment 4 was passed overwhelmingly by Florida voters to allow as many as 1.6 million ex-felons the right to regain their right to vote. Okay, poll taxes have been the center of many protests and are reminiscent of America's motivation to gain our independence. But Sam, should felons who have not uh, paid their debts to society be able to vote? I can't imagine people wanting Bertie Madoff to get his voting rights restored before he makes restitution to all the investors he built out of their hard-earned savings. And, you know, what about murderers or rapists? Should they get the vote? Well, uh, the thing is, uh, when you think about a, a debt of any kind, I think, uh, whether that's uh, uh, a mortgage, a credit card, or a debt to somebody that you offended, uh, I think that should be uh, separate from your right to vote. Even though if I'm wrong, personally, I would want somebody to repay me, but I don't think it should be tied to their rights to vote. Well, let, let me, and first of all, let, let's, give a couple, let's give a little bit of uh, background here on what states do, because I don't think a lot of people understand how states have different rules on this. Um, there are two states where you never lose your right to vote. Maine and Vermont. Um, there are several more that uh, that you get automatic restoration after you're released from prison, and that that includes Colorado, District of Columbia, Hawaii, Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Montana, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Utah, and the rest have some sort of uh, you lose it until you complete your citizen uh, your your, your uh, sentence. Um, or probation, you, yeah, or you need to, or after you finish your sentence, you need to do something extra to regain your your, your right to vote. Uh, and of course, the with the exception of Delaware, the most restrictive, uh, you know, I would put in the red column. 
you know, as far as states like uh, Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi, Wyoming, those kind of things. But here's the thing, Sam. If if and we'll use uh, we'll use Bernie Madoff, the Wall Street financier, you know, that basically frauded people out of billions of dollars. He is in prison in Florida, I think. Uh, now, when he took my money, I do not have that money. He frauded me. He stole my money. He has taken my ability to uh, to access my rights. Because if you listen to the Supreme Court, you know, money is a form of speech. Okay, you, uh, that's what that's what that's what it says. So Bernie Madoff has actually reduced my rights. Why should I allow? this man or anybody like him to have a right to influence who is going to make uh, you know this nation's laws but but you can argue that uh in any exchange even though you say he he frauded individuals there's exploitation in in the system of individual exchanging what they perceive uh, of value for that cash too so let's say somebody scalping tickets has marked up those tickets uh People are taking money from each other in various forms, whether it's through regular retail sales or any service. So I, I just don't think it's right. And I also think if we do a study that uh, you will find the demographics of who this affects uh, often affects a lot more minority communities, especially when you add in the uh, completion of parole and paying debts uh, to people through the court through court fines. So, you know, and you look at the two states that never lose their right, Maine and Vermont. What's the demographics of those two states? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But let, let's take it a step further. And last week we talked about the Tulsa riots. Okay. So after the Tulsa, how many people died in that? Well, there are various numbers from hundreds to okay. thousands. Hundreds yeah. to thousands of people died. None of them were white. So what happened to the voting, to the voting, uh, uh, representation in that area. Oh, it went down. Okay. So, 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 so the white people who, if they had been arrested and thrown in prison for murdering, you know, hundreds or thousands of black people would have been able to vote for racist policies while in prison. Well, we didn't go, we're not saying all of them should be at the extreme of Maine and Vermont. We're talking about the felons once they have served their time. Now you have to define what is serving your time. Is serving your time while you're still incarcerated in the physical building of a jail, or is it also including your parole when you get out? And you know, for most individuals that have served time, once they come out of the facility or jail system, you think that they should be restored their rights to, to live their life because many run into challenges. They can't get housing, they can't get student loans, they can't get uh, they don't have their right to vote to even change some of these issues that they have a problem with. So that's that's why I'm in favor of giving the felons their rights. I back think I vote. think that they can have their rights back after they have paid their debt to society. And by paid their debt, I mean paid back the victims. Now, if you want to make it so that you know that the fines and fees to the state, you know, are can can uh, cannot be paid back, but they get their right to vote. You know, it's the thing, I'd be okay with that. But the people they stole from, in, in my mind, they have to be made whole before you get your right to vote. Well, this will not be a meet in the middle moment for Norm and Sam, because <laughs> I think people should have their rights back to vote. 
Okay. So, issue number two, Bloomberg's Nevada Waterloo. We could wake up two weeks from today, the day after Super Tuesday, and the only candidates left standing will be Bernie Sanders and Mike Bloomberg, the two most polarizing figures on this stage. Thing about the politics of the country you, to ourselves. Are you trying to say that I'm dumb, or are you mocking me here, Pete? Companies, the only company we can't go after are gun manufacturers Thank because you, my buddy here. But we're, that's we're, a different. We're going to stay. And it's not whether he apologized or not, it's the policy. The policy was abhorrent, and it was, in fact, a violation of every right people have. I've sat, I've apologized, I've asked for forgiveness, but the bottom line is that we stopped too many people, but the policy, we stopped too many people, and we've got to make sure that we do something about criminal justice in this country. You know what, Mr. Bloomberg, it wasn't you who made all that money. Maybe your workers played some role in that as well. In the Democratic debate in Las Vegas, the six candidates went after health care, climate change, and wealth inequality. But all anyone could talk about the next day was the performance of Michael Bloomberg, the New York billionaire who has spent hundreds of millions in TV ads, but apparently forgot to hire someone to prep him for a debate. I was really shocked at his performance. It was brutal. <laughs> so, the, the, I mean, the, he should have anticipated these questions and the problems that uh, he's already uh, talked about in other press conferences. You had to know that it was coming. The other thing that I thought about is why did they even allow him on the stage when he's not even on the ballot in Nevada? Because it it was a distraction. I agree. I it was agree. A, it was a to he, it, nobody in Nevada is going to be able to vote for him, so he just bought his way on stage, and it's one of those things, he got into it and probably not even five minutes into it is this was probably not a good idea not a good idea I, I saw a meme where it said michael bloomberg is the only person in the world who would pay 400 million dollars to go to his own roast <laughs> it it was brutal and uh you know elizabeth warren brought it she was she was pretty magnificent in that debate she really brought it and, but, and she still and she still she was still on it yesterday i mean she was hitting that sore spot that uh with the nda uh, she yeah. she wrote up or created a contract or uh, agreement that it, if he signed, it would allow those uh, women a release to speak about the issues. And you know what's interesting is she, until she brought it up, I didn't. I really didn't have any idea that he had all these uh, these issues with women that had brought lawsuits against him. I heard about him saying some things that were unkind. I didn't know he had to make uh, monetary settlements on a lot of this. Until yeah, Elizabeth I, I, Warren. Yeah, I didn't know how many it was. I'd heard uh, as, as individuals started to complain about him outside of the stop and frisk saying that there were other things with uh, issues with, with women. Uh, that was, uh, I didn't know it was this but bad. It, it, to a Republican, it, it, I get a, a funny feeling in the back of my neck that the media was trying to treat him with kit gloves. Because why would they not when when he came out when Donald Trump came out with a pussy video, okay, grabbing the pussy, grabbing the crotch, that was everywhere real quick. These had been uh, settlements that apparently the media has known about, and nobody thought to ask him. Nobody thought to put a mic in his face and say, you know, will you will you allow these women to talk about you know a hostile work environment or you know whatever these cases were about. Um, and it goes to your point about buying your way on stage. 
you know, his millions, his influence influenced the media, I think. I think it influenced the Democratic Party. And I think both the Democratic Party and the media are, you know, basically taking a hit again in the, uh, you know, in the eyes of most voters. Well, they uh, obviously wanted to clear clear the check for all that advertising that he was doing. They wanted to get that done first because uh, he spent, I think, now $400 million. And you, so you they sent me something and, about he's paying n- people? Now, now one of the campaign strategies is to pay individuals $2,500 a month to speak positively about him on their social media pages. Influence peddlers. Yeah. And, and you and I think the story said it was maybe 500 that they're hiring in California. So you got to think about this strategically. He's going after the uh, uh, votes that he needs in the largest state. So he's not doing it everywhere right now, but California for the Democratic Party uh, primary uh, he needs a lot of those delegates and a lot of those votes, so that's where he's uh, wow. targeting that area. He, but in that debate, the one thing that perked my ears up the most is what Bernie Sanders said, because the mantra for Bernie has always been, "No, no, no, it's not socialism; it's democratic socialism," which apparently a lot of people consider not to be equivalent to socialism. In the debate, though, Bernie burned himself. Because Michael Bloomberg talked about how he had been fortunate to create a good business and made lots of money. And Bernie, the very next sentence, came out and said, I think that the workers had something to do with you creating all that wealth. And he went on to say that he wants workers on boards. He wants workers um, making choices for the company, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is not democratic socialism. That is socialism because how are the workers going to get this power? The government's going to give it to them. And when the and when they get in in power, you know where is the economic power from that company going to go? It's going to go where the workers decide. Bernie totally outed himself as a complete socialist. You know n- enough of this democratic soft form socialism. He's a socialist. He wants government to intrude on the private market decisions of American business. But he also he also said that there's already a form of socialism uh, with uh, corporate welfare and other means of privatizing profits and socializing losses. So you have these big companies that get rescued, and this has been a problem uh, where the government decides who gets to be a winner and who gets to be a loser. Yes, and and, and this is an area that goes way back for both of us because this is one of the areas that you and I found early on in our friendship that we agreed on, that 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 kind of stuff has to stop, and why can't Republicans and Democrats put a stop to it? So uh, maybe there there is some form of uh, uh, socialism already operating in our system, as he said. It's just not called that. It has a different different name. Yeah, I call it crony capitalism. That's That's my word for it. All right, issue number three. Okay, issue number three. Trump pardons outrage the left and some others as well. Staying at the Capitol, citizens rallying this week in support of Amendment 4, allowing as many as 1.6 million felons to regain their right to vote in the state. Today, a federal appeals court ruled that Florida cannot bar 17 felons who have served their time from registering to vote because of unpaid fines or fees. President Trump issued nearly a dozen pardons and commutations on Tuesday. 
Former Illinois governor and celebrity apprentice contestant Rod Blagojevich had been sentenced to 14 years in prison for trying to solicit bribes in exchange for President Obama's former Senate seat. Former New York City Commissioner Bernard Carrick received a pardon after serving a four-year sentence uh, for eight felonies, including tax fraud. Uh, Former San Francisco 49ers owner Eddie DeBartolo Jr. was pardoned out of a decades-old corruption charge, and Wall Street financier Michael Milken was originally charged with 98 counts of racketeering, securities fraud, and other crimes. Now, the left has gone crazy. The right has responded that Obama held the record for you know the largest number of pardons. But to be fair, because I want to be fair, most of those were for drug offenses that had nonviolent uh, drug offenses. N- yeah, nonviolent drug offenses that had uh, uh, mandatory federal sentencing laws. So you know he could have he could have pardoned a lot more based on that, but he, but he didn't. So I, I, want, I want to be fair, you know, to, to President Obama. But Sam, you know. I'm not in favor of all these. And it doesn't just go to President Trump. It goes back to some that Obama did because it was friends of Obama. Uh, w barely did any. W had a, you know, and I think it was because of his experience as a Texas governor and and the politics that go with it. But Clinton, boy, he had some whoppers. I mean, he pardoned uh, political uh, friends, you know, right, left, and center. That you know that had some pretty that weren't even serving time that escaped justice and were living overseas, um, but Blagojevich, Blagojevich tried to sell Obama's seat. I think most uh, people on on both sides of the aisle agree on this one. This is a a meet in the middle uh, topic uh, with regards to him trying to sell that seat. There were there were several Republicans that came out and spoke out against it. So uh, I don't think you. You'll get disagreement from this side of the table on that one. That was uh, that was bad. But you know, presidents, uh, several of them, as you just named off, uh, have done this with political friends, and uh, it's a power that they have, and they use it, uh, and it has a, a influence on our political process that maybe we need to review. I don't know, uh, and what is the purpose, or why should they have that? You know, I don't know the history of it. Why should a president have the power to pardon someone for any crime? It's a good point. I don't know. The, I don't. I, I don't know the because if they the have been convicted it. by uh, a group of their peers, you know, they went through the process and they actually did something wrong. Why does the president get to come back in one swoop and just wipe it clean? Yeah. Well, let's go to the one that I think was was actually a miscarriage of justice, and uh, that was Michael Milken. Michael Milken was known as the junk bond king, and they piled on him. I mean, they went after him hard, and he had been operating in gray areas. I think he was one of the first people like to to make a billion bucks on Wall Street, but and he had been operating in gray areas. But the reason he had been operating in gray areas is because the industry he found, which was junk bonds, didn't exist previously. And he was able to uh, give small companies access to capital that normally only large companies like a GE or a Ford or a Siemens, um, they had access to the bond market. These small companies didn't. So a company, and the most famous example, I guess, is Sprint um, or WorldCom. Um, They were a small company that was able to grow themselves, grow their business, and, you know, hire more workers, 
because of Michael Milken's junk bonds. You know, he basically democratized access to the debt markets for smaller companies. And what they nailed him for, he never even made a dime off of. He didn't make a penny off of the crimes that they that they accused him of because it was it had to do with parking stock and this and that. But I don't want to get too technical. But he didn't make a dime off of it. And I think the they fined him four hundred million dollars, some insane yeah. number, amount. I and the the penalty for what he did in my mind was just way over the top. Way over the top. Hmm. So yeah. that that was a good one. But let's not forget Trump also pardoned uh, Jack Johnson. Mm-hmm. And the and who was the lady who was in prison for drug offenses, Edna Johnson or I can't I can't think of a name, but yeah, uh, and I was surprised that the the Jack Johnson pardon didn't happen sooner by a Texas governor, former Texas governor with President Bush, and then that President Obama didn't do it as a product of an interracial relationship, and also as the first African American, I I thought for sure that he would do it, but even on that last day with three hundred and thirty. It could have done 331. Yeah. But it shocked me too. Okay. Issue number four blowback against celebrity gossip magazines. Hair salons around the Brit around Britain are boycotting celebrity gossip magazines in order to stop fueling toxic publications. In the wake of celebrity Caroline Flack's suicide, Flack was a popular British actress and TV host. She committed suicide last week after her life came under heavy scrutiny and publicity following some issues in her personal life that were heavily covered by the gossip media. The coverage began in mid-December when police were called to her home. News soon broke that she had been arrested for assault of her boyfriend. That event began what might be called over-coverage of Flack's entire life, focusing on the parts that were the most scandalous. Flack's family released an emotional apology that Flack wrote just days before her suicide. In the letter, the 40-year-old television personality opened up about experiencing an emotional breakdown in the aftermath of her assault arrest against her boyfriend. You know, this, uh, uh, we talk about bullying, we talk about online bullying, we talk about the press often. Uh, the press can go too far and it's obvious that uh, they push this woman to a breaking point and it's unfortunate uh, that uh, this happened. You know, I I didn't know who she she was until I read the story when you sent it to me. But, you know, this goes on on many levels. Uh, More children are committing suicide because of uh, bullying at the uh, school levels. And and we have to do something as a society. What, you know, in the story, the um, uh, beauty shops and um, places that are are refusing to carry... uh, or hair salons are refusing to carry these uh, toxic publications, I think that's a good step in the right direction. The only way you're going to hurt these outlets is to cut off uh, the revenue to them or of supporting them and cut your subscriptions. Yeah, I, I, well, I, th- I think it is exactly what you said. This, this was bullying. And, of course, I, I have a little bit of a... Uh, a controversial take on this. I do think the press is the enemy of the people because I do think they go through agendas, most of them, not all of them, but most of them have an agenda and they push it. And in this case, the agenda, I believe, was sales. I believe it was circulation. But this can be shown to happen in a lot of places. And the one I'm going to bring up 
is uh, the New York Times a few years back hired a very controversial editor that had tweeted things out like, you know, all, you know, it would not be a loss of all white men killed themselves, you know, or something like that, and it, and she had a very extreme view um, that that exists on the left about a white privilege, um, you know, a, about uh, misogyny and, and and male sexism and that kind of thing, and they put her on the board of the New York Times. Now, my point of this is is that adults are looking at these tweets going, wow, those are really way out there. Those are offensive. The New York Times, meanwhile, is saying, well, that's part of our, our society now. We want her view on, on, on the board. I say, you know something? There are kids and people who might not be emotionally stable who are going to be reading what she influences and who are going to be reading her tweets. True. And these editors who are mainstream have a duty to really – Try to block out, you know, uh, their personal the, views. Yeah, well, well, personal views, but also views that you know should be considered extreme. One of which is overcovering a a uh, an unfortunate incident that happened with Caroline Flack, where she was arrested for assault on her boyfriend, knowing that it served no purpose in the public, you know, in the public sphere. You know, where where's the balance of who controls? Uh, the media with what could be let out to because another un- unrelated to bullying but just talking about the press the the recent tragedy with with Kobe Bryant has brought up some controversial issues in when should you talk about some of the negative things that happened in his life because uh reporter Gail King just uh was berated uh in the other direction once she asked the question of uh doing an interview about uh, his case from, I, I believe it was 2001 or two, some, you know, uh, the rape allegations. Right. That she even brought it up at this time before they had even had his memorial service. I think the the public memorial service is going to be Monday the 24th, uh, which is 224. I think his daughter's number was two and his number was 24. So they did it on February 24th, which I thought was uh, uh nice that the family tied those things together not to mention all the other individuals that were on that helicopter but um there should be a professionalism i think at some point because i uh tmz uh, ran with the story i believe before even the family had been notified about the helicopter crash mm-hmm. to me that is just a district i mean that is that's horrible. And, and let's get to something you know the, the person who does our sound i guess i call him our sound engineer is a guy named greg and we were talking to Greg before the show started about this and bullying. And I, I commented that I said, I think bullying in the schools is not as bad as it was you know, 20, 30 years ago because schools have been made more aware of it. Greg said something I didn't really realize fully, and he's right, that social media, you know, the Twitter, the Facebook, you know, the Instagram, whatever it is now could be considered even worse because now somebody's not bullying you to your face or to your peers, they're bullying you to the world and everybody is there to see it. So if you remove yourself from Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, okay, you can remove yourself, but you still know this person's out there saying these things about you. Well, one of the controversial things with Gail King was uh, a very popular rapper, uh, Snoop Dogg, um, made a video in uh, made some comments and said, you know, you need to stop before we come get you or come snatch you or something to those uh, effects, which was 
perceived as a threat. And then Gail King started getting threats uh, through other people that saw Snoop Dogg's comments, or maybe they didn't even see it. They, they just felt emboldened to act because they didn't like what she had done. And uh, it became a real problem. Now, he later went back and apologized and said he shouldn't have did that. And some of the things he was emotional about her attacking uh, what he perceived uh, attacking Kobe. Uh, so that uh, yeah, problem uh, is these apologies don't undo the, the, the bell has already been rung. Yeah. Uh, you can't unring a bell. It's like a wave that's coming into shore. You ain't stopping it. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I think the example and, and, of the hair salons pulling those publications that's the only way that uh you're gonna reach some of these businesses is Mm -hmm. that you have to hit them in the pocketbook and if you're a parent oversee your child's social media accounts and if your child is bullying somebody please stop it because their parent might not be as nice as some other parents and we uh absolutely meet in the middle on that subject because uh we need to become a uh, a society that can agree to disagree and also with regards to uh, calling your own children out uh, it's important that parents uh, have that conversation because you don't want that negative force to come back from the other side because at some point some parent is going to get upset and they're going to fight back for their kid and your child could get hurt your, your child really needs to understand that being a bully is not a not a good thing and there's consequences you know, you could say whatever you want, but you got to realize that sometimes when you say whatever you want, it comes with consequences. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll leave it there. Well said. Yeah. So uh, before we get into our, our topics, one of the things I want to mention this weekend, we're going to have a play uh, at my local church. And this is not a religious uh, advertisement, but this is a story that many of you may have not heard about Henrietta Lacks, the untold story. If you've heard about the Gila sales and the medical advances that were uh, made uh, from her sales, uh, society and the world owes her uh, a debt because many of these things could not have been done if they had not got her sales uh, during her treatment at John Hopkins way back in 1950 and 1951. It's on the front page of the Galveston Daily newspaper today. Uh, so this month, of course, is Black History Month. We do a Black History play every every year. But this is a story about stolen legacy revealed. And if you're not busy, 8.30 Sunday, we'd like you to come out. Otherwise, look it up, Henrietta, Henrietta Lacks, L-A-C-K-S. Uh, do a Google search. Find out her story. There is a um, HBO documentary, a story about it. But the play that we're doing, we have one of her family members coming down, and you know they're uh, upset with Hollywood that they believe that they took uh, uh, too much liberty and they didn't tell the truth and they don't like the original book. No, that was Hollywood written. wouldn't do that. <laughs> and 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 also they don't like the author that wrote the original book, how they painted the family out. So if you want to hear the real story, uh, we will have uh, Ron Lax, the grandson of Henrietta Lax in Hitchcock on Sunday. So come out and meet the family. So that's it for this week. Please like us on Facebook. For the end of the show, we're going to be offering up some story headlines that might interest you as we do every week from aljazeera.com. UN warns of bloodbath as Syria fighting escalates. From the texastribune.com, as the Texas prison population shrinks, the state is closing two more prisons. Good news. Like to see that. From AsiaTimes.com, 
U.S. tax authorities have eye on crypto investors. Now, this is an important story because crypto is becoming, even though it's so gone from the headlines, it's growing and it's becoming part uh, of our economy. And it's interesting now that the government really is is taking a, a, uh, a, a, an eye to this and they're, they're going to continue. So it's, it's, this is a good article to read. All right, from Salon.com, there is no liberal media bias in the news political journalists choose to cover. From TheBlaze.com, study finds journalists are overwhelmingly left-wing. <laughs> I knew you were going to throw that one in there. Yeah, I, yeah it was funny. They're, and they're both out there at the same time. Yeah. From TheVox.com, gender-neutral baby clothes, a quietly radical m- movement. From NBCNews.com, what's a thruple? A thruple. House Hunters episode puts polyamory on the radar. This is about uh, a couple that had a, a that brought a third person, person into, into, in into their yeah, into their marriage. So so one couple was married in the church, and then they had a ceremony, quote unquote, to allow this third person, a woman, to also become part of their union. Um, I, you know, nope. Not happening. <laughs> no, uh, not uh, happening. Uh, I, I believe Norm's wife and Sam's wife will meet in the middle and say, not happening. Not happening. That's it. Enough. People go out and meet in the middle. Compromise. Leave our kids a better place. <laughs> <laughs>